last few days, the Lord's been really speaking to me about honor. Honor. Now, this word makes a lot of people cringe because a lot of people associate the word honor with like submission, with control, with losing power. And right now, these are major trigger words in the earth. But if I can just say this, guys, I'm not here to align with the earth. I'm here to align with the throne of heaven. And if, if something that the world is fixated on is causing me to trigger, then I'm aligned with the wrong thing. Good. Jesus never responded out of distress, never responded out of a place of social frustration. I mean, prove me wrong. Pull out your book and, t- and show me wrong. He responded. Everything he did came out of a place of kingdom. Everything he did was my father has shown me and now I'm doing So I want to talk about this. I really feel strongly that the Lord has been showing me this because in order for us to align with heaven and walk representing Father God well, it's got to look like us aligning with his culture, not us taking our culture and trying to infuse God into it. We really, really, probably more and more now, there is an assault right now that's trying to sweep the whole world. I'm not talking about stuff that actually needs to be addressed. I'm talking about the very, very subtle undertones and subcultures that are becoming main currents, that are actually brainwashing with propaganda, even churches to start using different languages and value systems and back away from things that need to be talked about. Okay, there is a culture right now of dishonor that's sweeping the whole world. It's okay to speak evil about anybody. When clearly the Bible says that in the last days, men would speak evil of dignitaries. Hello? I'm speaking to the right people today. You see, and like hate, they, they would be hateful and boasters and proud. Revilers. People, so, so we need to understand... Okay, I'm ex- and see, here's the deal. If you're in church for an hour a week and maybe you listen to a podcast and you listen to some, some nice elevation worship or whatever, but you're spending 12 hours a day or 12 hours a week consuming news and social media and it is influencing you and pulling your attention, the filter coming out of your mouth is probably not going to reflect the one hour in church because you are what you behold. True? If you don't believe me, go and talk to the guy that spends 60 hours a month looking at pornography. Because you understand it when I say it like that. Hello? Or the girl. It don't matter. So we have to actually understand that what, is, what we are feeding on is influencing us. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good habits. See, We're in an age now where you don't need another person in the room to be having bad company. You just need your phone. That's a fact. You can take that to the bank and cash it. So we need to talk about this word honor because I don't care what the culture of the world is. I'm going to look good in front of my king. And if that makes me look bad in front of the world, bring it on. Let's get this thing over with. Because we've been taught that it's more important to be an influencer and popular and socially acceptable than right with God. 
That's what we're being taught right now. You better fit in or we're going we're gonna to make you a bigot. You better comply or you're going to be a racist. Oh, yeah, I just said racist in church, by the way. Because now they're using that word for anything. Apparently, that's racist. Now, that's not Jesus. That's glass. But that's not racist. That's someone trying to replicate Jesus the best they knew how. Yeah, he definitely got a tan. <laughs> He's using some good beard oil too. Okay, so I'm going to move on here, okay? So, so I'm going to talk about this. What is honor? And, and this is something that, you know, 15 years ago I wouldn't have needed to spell out, but now I do. Because the culture we live in has changed so much that we have to address what honor is because it's become very, very blurry. And if we don't get this, none of us will ever grow. And I'm going to explain why in just a little bit. Honor is the high esteem of another. The high esteem of another. It is what we give the honorable and noteworthy in our lives. Honor is worth, value, and respect we give ourselves or others to express gratitude uh, and our reverence of God's hand on their life. Honor. Honor is closely tied with excellence. You will not find an honorable person that lacks excellence. Think about that for a second. You will not find an honorable person that lacks excellence. Timeliness, integrity, honesty, faithfulness, and loyalty. Timeliness, integrity, honesty, faithfulness, and loyalty. Stuff that our culture is starting to overlook majorly. Oh, don't worry, I'm always late. Hey, don't be... People say that to me, I'm always late. Are you you're proud of that? Integrity. I had to confront one of my employees a couple of weeks ago. He was like, well, we're just going to... He told one of the other employees, hey, we're just going to put this thing on our... We're going to change our hours. And he, he added another five hours into our payroll week because he thought he would bless himself. Except we've got some pretty sophisticated tracking stuff. We had a really awkward chat about his integrity. Honesty. Same category. How are you? Oh, here's a classic one, modern Christianity. How are you doing? Everything's great. (laughs) Do you understand that was a lie? I know everything's awesome. Meanwhile, you're falling apart. That's called a lie. Now, don't go sharing your stuff with everyone. You share it with people that actually 
can help you. Not the people that are going to bust the drink open and try and help you. I'm smiling. I'm really happy. Faithfulness. Honor. Do you, do you have any idea how many people that have got so excited coming up to me and my wife just telling us how awesome we are? We're going to ride with you to the end. Dude, you didn't even make it two weeks. Faithfulness. The people that show up, like, just being real, can I be real for a second? There's people that show up here and they're like, first two, three weeks, like, this is the best church we've ever been to in our lives. I'm like, dude, we're just a little church just trying to grow here. This is the best thing we've ever, ever seen in our lives. It's amazing. Like, where have you been my whole life? And like two weeks later, they're not in your life. See, faithfulness and flattery are interesting things. We've forgotten integrity as a, as a culture. And loyalty goes along with faithfulness. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, so I'm going to save that one for later. <laughs> okay, now, now I'm going to make a definition here on something that's super, super important. Because we have never, ever, as a country, I don't believe this, this nation, and maybe, maybe, not for sure, but maybe even the world, has never been in such a divisive moment in history. There is so much division... The air is charged with, with hatred and war. Civil war, it's charged with. You can feel it. You can cut it with a butter knife. You can cut it with a teaspoon if you want. <laughs> so I need to define really, really clearly the difference between respect and honor. Because there's a difference between respect and honor. Respect is what authority demands. Respect is what authority demands. But honor is what we give those that lead well. Now, I wrote this down. I've written a lot of, I usually just preach from my heart, but I've written a lot of notes down today that I want us to get. Pay attention to what I'm about to say here. Judas gave enough respect to be close to Jesus, but not genuine honor to remain loyal. Judas knew how to work the system. There's a lot of people right now that know how to work the system. Judas knew how to give enough respect to get proximity, but he had no honor to stay loyal. Someone getting this right now? This is the stuff we need to come back to the basics. You want to heal this nation? We need to start talking about this stuff here. We need to start valuing this in our communities, in our, in our, in our cities, in our states. We need to get back to this stuff. And really the only way that we're going to do this now, because we're in a, in a generation where all restraints are getting cast off, is coming back to the foundational biblical value systems. So I've written this as well. Our, our generation is in trouble, is in a lot of trouble, because it is rewriting definitions of what things look like. Like honour. For instance, we only honor and respect the things that we agree with. You want to be a real strong human being? Learn how to respect the things you don't agree with. Not burn it down. 
Oh, it's tense in here right now, but I'm totally comfortable. So I apologize for your awkwardness, but I'm happy. If you respectfully disagree, it's okay. <laughs> I, I have a gift. I'm happy to say the stuff that people don't want to talk about. Because I don't care what people think. I care what God thinks. And we need to get on God's program, not on ours. It's just that simple. I don't know how to make you feel more comfortable about it. Because truth is offensive. But it will set you free if you embrace it. If you don't want truth, you're going to just carry on the path you're on and we'll watch. It only honors people it approves and it certainly shows no respect for, the, for those it dislikes. Our generation right now. The, the culture of the world right now. Now, I, I, I want to draw a couple of lines here because if, if I'm not careful, you're going to take what I'm saying is and say that you should respect everyone, you should always be kind. Yes, you should respect everyone, but it doesn't mean you need to agree with everyone. I want to draw your attention to John the Baptist. He had his head removed because he actually rebuked an authority. But he didn't do it, he didn't do it where he was completely disrespectful. He spoke in truth, not dishonor. He, you guys remember the story? Herod had taken his brother's wife. That's messed up, just in case you hadn't figured that out. Like, it's really bad. He'd taken his brother's wife. He also had a very strange, illicit relationship with his wife's daughter. Because you don't give a third of your kingdom to a girl that does a dance for you, and then she asks for the head of John the Baptist, who's in, in prison, for a dance. So this dude was messed up. John the Baptist, authentic prophet of God, well, that's not the love of the Father. Yes, it is. To correct and rebuke. I'd rather correct and rebuke and disappoint than watch someone go to hell. Yay, you're just so awesome. You're so creative. I'm so proud of your decisions. No. We actually need to speak the truth in love. And see, so John the Baptist spoke up and he said, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So as a result, he had consequences because people hate truth. So what I'm saying in all of that is the kingdom of heaven doesn't stay silent when evil prevails. I'm not trying to quench that stuff. But the culture in which a lot of things are being expressed, and I'm not talking about BLM or COVID, I'm just talking in general. This isn't a recent development. This has been brewing for decades. It has. And it's been brewing for decades because, honestly, if we're real, this country, this generation has fallen in love with the culture of church, and it's, it's backed away from the precepts of God. It's figured out how to do popular Christianity without actually living in humble, authentic, submitted kingdom. They will worship me, my Father, in spirit and in truth. Not in convenience, not in comfort, in spirit and in truth. They didn't crucify Jesus out of comfort because he fed them. They didn't crucify him because he raised their dead daughters. He didn't crucify them. They didn't crucify him because he walked on water. They crucified him because heaven's reality made them hateful. 
I know what I'm saying is very upsetting right now. But it's also very empowering. Okay, are we ready to go further? Yes. Okay, good. So if we intend to represent the throne of the kingdom of heaven well, we must learn better how to respect those we disagree with. See, right now the culture, let's just talk about America for for a second, because this is the country that we're fighting for right now. And we're fighting for the next generation so that they won't grow up in a godless nation. Because that's what we're actually fighting for right now. The devil doesn't care about this generation. He wants the next generation that has no understanding of God, period. Where he has a nation completely covered in darkness. You have to understand the devil understands generational legacy better than the kingdom of heaven does. Sorry, better than the church does, not the kingdom of heaven. Because this culture, and I'm talking... There's so many fences here, or should I say, put better, there's so many offenses here that it doesn't matter on which side of the fence that people are on, we learn to make devils out of the other side. But that's not the way you win anybody. When did Jesus make anyone, a, when, when did he ever try and make anyone a devil? Jesus loved so well that the disciples didn't even know that, G- that Judas was the betrayer. They looked at Peter. When, it's true, you can, read the, you can read it. Peter messed up so many times. Like, he, he was that dude. Jesus literally was like, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter's like, is it I, Lord? Why did he say, is it I? Think about that. Why did, why did, why did Peter go, is it I, Lord? Because everyone looked at him. Think about that. Sometimes we just don't pay attention to the details. Peter's like, that's nervous. Is it I? It wasn't like, is it, is it I? It was like, is it I? Goodness me. You know, like. Because <laughs> everyone looked at Peter because Jesus loved so well, no one had an idea it was Judas. And Judas was so treacherous in his dishonor that no one knew it was him. Okay. The world is now teaching people how to label as haters and evils those who oppose its narrative. And unfortunately, much of what the world stands for is against kingdom principles and morals. We have to get our emotions out of this and we have to look at this objectively. Because Jesus loves everybody. He's not against anyone. Now, the only person that Jesus got angry with were the Pharisees who had a little mini-mark going on outside the temple. And he actually got physical with them, which I find amazing. Let's talk about this for a second. In the last few decades of the charismatic church movement in this country or in the world, people have become obsessed with the anointing in a person, but they have no problem critiquing the vessel. 
we've become so consumerist in our mindsets that all we care about is what the person has inside of them and we don't care about who the person is. We have so much... I'm going to be real careful what I say here. We stay silent on all the benefits, which shows that we're an ungrateful nation. But we scream our rights when we see a flaw. Do you want to talk about entitlement? You want to talk about privilege? Let's talk about it. And that's not a skin color. That's a sin color. You guys remember the, the prophet Elijah? You guys remember him? He had this other little guy that he picked up along the way called Elisha. And Elisha became his apprentice for, I think, around 10 years. And Elisha kind of grew up and served Elijah. And he got around him. And Elijah was actually not like, it wasn't like, you know, a job with benefits. He didn't have all the perks if you read the story, Elijah was actually relatively, he had some relational issues. Like, honestly, if you read, he was pretty rough. But he was carrying something so strong from heaven, and Elisha was so fixated on serving him, that part of the story got me when I really started drilling down on it. Because today, when people succeed, or they succeed, let's say, for instance, a father figure or a leader passes away or a president moves out of office and the next person comes in or, you know, a pastor passes on to eternity and the next... See, a lot of people are like, it's my turn. Let me show you how great I am. Honestly, I finally get to show the world what it tastes like. Right? True? But I love this story because Elisha is literally watching Elijah getting taken up into heaven by what he described as a chariot of fire. And Elijah's robe is cast down to him. He throws his robe down. And he doesn't say, yes, it's my turn. (laughs) He says, my father, my father. He didn't rejoice. He mourned because he valued the relationship more than the anointing. Let that drop in. See, we have replaced honor with ambition. I know I'm dropping bombs today, but please, we need a countercultural shift back to healthy. The reason that people aren't growing up in the kingdom is because we're being mentored by the world and applying it in the church. We're going down to to O'Reilly's for our toolbox and showing up into the church trying to do some work. And it's not working. You just think it is because you can manipulate and leverage your way to being seen. I 
I really was hoping I could preach a real encouraging message today, but it's just dropping like a bomb. Guys, this stuff, if we can make some dynamic shifts in our heart, you'll watch a crazy acceleration. I'm not here to reflect the world back to God by my life looking like that. I'm here to reflect God to the world and no other way. Hello? Oh, these men have been with Jesus or these men have been with CNN. Hang on. These men have been on Instagram. She's been on Facebook. Or that person's been with Jesus. There's something so sweet about them. There's something so pure about them. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's a tough plow today. That's okay. I'm a good worker. Honor and loyalty are closely linked. They cannot be separated. They're closely linked and they cannot be separated. You can't say, I'm honorable, but disloyal. You can't say you're loyal, but you're dishonorable. Those two go together. They're inseparable. Okay. Oh, yeah. Here's here's a really good point that I want to talk about for a second. And it's something that we don't really think about too often. The way we honor people, and I'm not just talking about positions of authority. Because a lot of the time, we just treat everyone as regular people. And then when we get around an important person, a successful business person, someone in ministry or a politician or someone like that, some kind of influencer, we get all googly-eyed and we treat them like they're God instead of treating God like he's God. Okay, but I will say this. The way that we treat other people and the way that we treat those in leadership around us actually reflects the way we're truly treating God. And we think that we can put that into a separate compartment, but the reality is, is the way that you're relational to one person is going to... Now, obviously, we have different layers of relationship, but the way we steward relationship with people almost always reflects the way we steward relationship with God. You neglect people, you'll neglect God. If you're harsh to people, you'll be harsh with God. If you're rude to people, you'll be rude to God. Hello? And so it's super important for us to understand that when we, when we start tapping into this type of thing, we understand that kingdom, everything about kingdom, including the way you see Jesus come, was all about stewardship of relationship. And so the way that, you know, well, I, I tr- I've got me and God are over here and everyone else is over here. No, no. God's on a whole other level, but the way you treat people is... If I want to see how your relationship is with God, I'm just going to watch the way you treat the people around you. It's real simple. Okay, so on to this very important point. Many people learn how to flatter and call it honor. Can I go there right now? Because I need to go there. Many people learn how to flatter and call it honor and then privately gossip, slander, and tear down the very person that they publicly flattered all in the name of honor. 
that is like the ultimate expression of deception. Because anyone that's halfway discerning is going to know what's happening. But tragically, God is watching everything. Does this make sense? So I ha- here's a rule that I've written down. This is one of my personal rules. If you privately slander and undermine the one who you publicly affirm and submit to with lip service, you attract the attention of God towards your injustice and rebellion. And the outcome is never favorable for this person. That's my personal rule. So if strategically, I mean, you can see this in politics all the time. Am I lying? I'm telling the truth. You'll see people and they'll make strategic alignments and alliances and they'll be like, this person's amazing. And then three months later, that person's terrible. Somehow thinking that people weren't going to get those clips and and splice them together and make this amazing collage of tragedy. (laughs) When we honor others, we honor God and we honor ourselves. When we honor others, we honor God and we honor ourselves. I just have a whole lot of points I wanted to touch. It's not super flowy today, but this is important. Now, here's where a lot of brokenness is happening. In this last generation particularly, the breakdown of the family has accelerated almost more than it ever has in the history of this country. Can we agree on that? When a child is raised in a family that has no father-mother connectivity and healthy family relationship, insecurity is not just bred, it is fostered. And when it's fostered, we don't know who we are. And when we don't know who we are, we don't know how to define ourselves. And when we don't know how to define ourselves, we don't know how to honor ourselves. I can't give you something that I don't know how to give myself. I don't know how to honor you if I don't know how to honor myself. Are you with me? So part of the, one of the main issues of why this is becoming a very, people aren't even looking at it like it's strange. People aren't even looking like it's out of place because we have a whole generation of orphans. We have a whole generation of people that don't know who the father is, don't even maybe know who their own father is in the natural, let alone the spirit. And so we just have walking people that are walking wounds. And dishonor to them is actually like breathing. I've watched it shift in the last five years radically. I don't know if you have, but I've watched it's It's traumatic to watch because there's a demonic strategy against this nation and the world. Because when you can usher in a season of that, people, the Bible says when they cast off restraint, everything is now, now you have no right and wrong. Because honor is a moral benchmark. Are you guys with me here? Stay with me. I'm not going to be much longer. Honor is a moral benchmark. When you break down the pillar of dishonor, anything goes. For instance, I'm going to say some stuff right now that might upset some people, and if it does, I'm sorry for you. The day in this country when legal gay marriage was passed, I said to someone that I knew, I said, you watch. Now there will be no thing too perverse to be outlawed. The very next day, less than 24 hours later, the man-boy gay love, basically pedophilia, it's a huge foundation 
filed for legal status of recognition the next day. This is under the Obama administration. Do you guys understand? Now, I don't believe that, that Christians are called to police people. If people want to go to their sins, I'm not here to stop you. I'm going to talk to you about the love of the Father. Because nowhere in the Bible am I told to police other people. And I'm not called to judge them either. That's where the church has really made ourselves a big problem. And we're going to have to, we're going to, have to face off with our father's mistakes in the church in the coming years because of this stuff. We're going to have to do it with the utmost wisdom. But before we can even do that, we need to get healthy in here so that we can walk in kingdom integrity. And it starts with things like honor. Are you guys with me? But as soon as I saw that, I knew now we have a landslide. Now you can never defend anything of any moral nature. And it, it, over the last five, six years, am I wrong? More and more stuff's rolling out where more and more stuff's become... I never dreamed when I was a kid that certain things would happen in libraries with little children. Are you with me? Is it okay to talk about this stuff? Of course it is. I'm not hating on anyone. I just told you I'm not here to police anyone. But I am here to speak about right and wrong. There's a difference. Okay. I'm going to wrap up here real quick. In a minute. I've got two scriptures. <laughs> I've got two scriptures. I've got two scriptures I want to jump on real quick here. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36. Matthew chapter 22 verse 36. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Pharisees come to Jesus, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now that right there just backs up everything I just talked about honoring yourself and honoring other people. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Now, before you can love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. When you love God with your heart, mind, soul, and body, you get transformed into a new creation. You get identity, you get honor, and now you're able to shine the light of Jesus to other people and show them honor. From that place, now I can love my neighbor as myself. This here the church should have destroyed prejudice in this country a long time ago. We are way behind. The problem is, is we've been looking and worshipping preachers and stained glass windows and not the king of kings. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Every part of you needs to be looking at Jesus. When you do, the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, those of us that are still on the earth are going to have a little Superman moment. We're going to fly up to meet Jesus, which is pretty welcome wagon 101. Okay? We're flying up. And while we're flying up, it says, and when we see him, we will be made like him. There's going to literally be a transformation process where we get our new bodies, flying up to meet Jesus. But don't wait for that. Start now by spending time with him and as you see little details of who he is, like, you know how I talked about how I saw the emotion of God being expressed? As you start to see God, it transforms you where you start actually starting to look like your father. It adjusts you. Yeah. And as you're adjusted and healed and loved and 
old mindsets start to fall off, you start to become whole and you stop looking like the world and you start looking like the king. From that place, we love our neighbor. Now, I'm going to ask you the question Jesus asked people. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? You guys went quiet on me. It's everybody. You don't get to pick your neighbor. It's not a street address. It's the lady at the bank. We, we were in Palm Springs and there was a, a, I think I meant to tell the story and I got distracted, but there was a mother and a son having a little birthday dinner next to us. We went to one of those little um, Japanese places where they cook and burn stuff and throw things around the room. I forget the name of it, Daikoku or whatever it's called. And there was just so much brokenness on them and they definitely were from the other side of the tracks. These people come from real rough background and they were obviously spending up large going out to try and celebrate. But I chased them out into the parking lot to talk to them about who they really are. And Mama, while she's smoking a joint standing next to me talking, her eyes are watering because no one shows her value except someone that's busy looking at the king enough to see her worth. That's my neighbor. I don't care if they laugh at me. I don't care if they, you know, she was busy. She was crying, but she was trying to blow pot in my face. That stuff don't work on me, sweetheart. (laughs) I'm immune. (laughs) But But what she didn't know is I was blowing smoke on her. This just happened a couple of days ago. My wife saw it happen. We have to let Jesus be our focus. And from that place, we get grounded and we're able to focus on people the way that he wants us to. Last scripture, last scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Someone getting something today? I know it's a little bit more of a serious message, but we need to have some serious conversations right now. Because otherwise, we're going to be so influenced by the popular sway of what the world's talking about that we're going to start talking and looking like them. That's how Lot got in trouble. Because Lot went into Sodom. But Sodom went into Lot. And the Bible says the last days will look like the days of Noah and Lot. We gotta pay attention. Like this for me, I'm aggressive in my spirit towards this on purpose to not be like that stuff. I don't have time to go and explain that right now. If you don't know what I just talked about, you come and see me at the end and I'll happily explain it to you. Okay, last scripture. Ephesians chapter six, verse one. Children obey your parents in the Lord. The Bible's telling me to submit to oppression. That's wrong. I'm serious. This is stuff that the world's going to go after. In a little bit, it might be in your lifetime, they're going to come after this stuff. Now, let me break this down for you. Because the Bible tells us to honor our father and mother. True? But this isn't talking about mummy and daddy. Let's read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Pastors, spiritual leaders, parents in the Lord. There's another scripture that talks about honor your mother and father, that it may go well with you. Remember, this is not that. This is different. Obey your parents in the Lord, 
See, I have to be secure enough in my walk with God that the people I submit to, I can trust because I trust God out of my personal relationship and he's put me underneath them. If not, I will only give flattery and not honor so that I keep looking good. All the while, I'll have a subculture that's fighting the very thing that's trying to help me. You guys with me? Dishonor can dress up really well with flattery. Fancy dress party 101. (laughs) Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. This is taking it to the next level now. See, there's actually quite a lot of stuff that was said in the Old Testament that Jesus takes and he takes it to the next level. It's not an eye for an eye anymore. Now it's forgive. That's, do you understand that it's harder to forgive than it is to cut the other dude's eye out? I know that's shaking some of you up. <laughs> Watch this. Which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, a lot of us have problem with honor because our fathers, either natural or past abuse of spiritual, have pushed people over the edge where people actually were spiritually abused or they were abused by authority. And now honor is a scary word. Now, submission is a military threat to my soul. Now, anyone that represents authority is the enemy, and this is why they're killing cops. This is the real reason why they're killing cops. Because we're a fatherless generation. And we hate authority. And we need to be healed by the Father. Now watch this. But bring them up in the training... An admonition. Do you, do you understand what the word admonition means? It's like a, almost like discipline, which means the word disciple. When you admonish someone, there's like a little, little spanking involved. What's that? Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, to warn or reprimand someone firmly. See, but, well, someone came and actually, I got rebuked by the pastor. This is a controlling church. No, no, this is a Bible-believing church. It's just that you're not used to correction because you've got orphan tendencies and we're trying to get you to a place where you can become a son. Orphans don't submit, they float. And whenever it gets tense, they just move to the next spot. Sons can sit through seasons of hardship. Sons will go out and fight battles that their fathers never even knew about. Sons won't sit idly while someone crucifies the father in a conversation. They'll, they'll stand up and they'll, they'll confront it. Sons are never silent when evil is speaking wickedness of someone that's worked for them or worked, worked in their lives or led them. See, we need to get back to the places. Of, because here, the reason I'm talking about this, guys, is God is watching and listening to every detail. Everything we do and say is being recorded. 
Every word we say, it says not one word is going to be like left. Every, like it says we're going to literally give account for every word, every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Which always convicts me because I'm laughing and goofing around quite a bit. <laughs> but then there's stuff where it's like, no, there's, there can't be any nonsense coming out of my mouth. I'm not talking like Jesus is the ultimate comedian. Bible, there's a scripture for that that says God sits on the throne in the heavens and laughs. So God obviously knows how to have a good time better than we do. But God's not a fool. And God's not going to be over here talking to Cameron, slandering someone that's trying to help you. We need to understand honor if we're going to grow. Because God won't entrust power with dishonorable sons. If you don't believe me, go to your Bible and type in dishonorable and read every verse that comes up in the book. See, remember it talks about that in a house there are many vessels. Vessels for honor and vessels for dishonor. Now, if you really, I'm going to close with this. If you really drill down into what that means, basically the vessel of dishonor it's talking about is the poop bowl. (laughs) He said poop in church. That's blasphemy. <laughs> but basically, like, there's, you know, brass bowls and gold bowls and wood, wood bowls, and then there's clay bowls for the bathroom, if we can take it down a notch, okay? And that, but he's talking about a house. And he says, if a man or a woman cleanses himself from the dishonorable, he becomes a vessel of honor, holy and acceptable for the master's use. I want God to reach down to the cabinet of, of his family and pick me up as a, as an, a vessel of honor. Not a vessel of dishonor that's been, that's been dabbling and touching and speaking with low-level things. Slandering and gossiping and living in subculture. Flattering. I don't want to... The Bible says about Jesus that there was no guile in him. All of the dishonor was out. Never was there. He never allowed it in. But some of us have been really hurt in life, and so stuff's got in. And the only way we can cross over from brokenness is by seeking and honoring the Lord with our heart, mind, soul, and body, and letting a healing process take place. Because when you really understand it, the ultimate honor example was that for God so loved the world, for God so loved Andrew, for God so loved Sally, Mary, John, Peter, that he gave his best and placed a worth on me, placed a worth on you, so that I could connect with heaven, not so that I could stay looking like earth, and so that I could represent him well. Amen? Someone got something today?